please hold for the Vice President. Hey, Barry! Hey, Joe. What do you know? I know my belly button is tied and the timing is right, sheep buddy. Good to hear from you. You ready to hit the road? Uh, yeah. Getting there. Just a couple of things I wanted to chat with you about. I'm all ears, buddy, but not as much as you. <laughs> <laughs> Never gets old, friend. But, but seriously, I've got us face masks with our mouths printed on them for the campaign stops. Didn't shell out major clams for these choppers to keep the ponies in the barn. Uh, yeah, that's really something, Joe. Can't wait. Now, if we could get back to the reason I called... I want to work out a plan to address some of the demographic groups that we are lagging behind with. Most notably, the progressives, the Latinos, and uh, women of a certain... Uh, Barack, baby, you're as paranoid as a long-tailed rocking chair. Who do you think you're talking to? I'm a caucus. I practically have the women's vote wrapped up in my front pants pocket. That is kind of what I'm afraid of, JB. Uh, it sounds good on paper, but let me say that the public might not be ready for it yet. Let's get together. We can see if we can get our old chemistry back. And uh, I'll take a backseat roll if and when we get Dawn wrong out of office. Hey, now that's a humdinger of an idea, my slender friender. But I gotta tell you, I've already promised Hunter 100 G's a year to mow the lawn. Plus a couple of his frat buddies agreed to flat my jacks on the daily for 50K. So uh, I'm not sure how much is left in the budget. Joe, don't worry about the money. Michelle and I just really want to help you bring this thing home. I think we'll be just fine, baby. But hell, if you really want to lend a hand, I'm thinking about making waffles, too. Joe, buddy, it's uh, not about the short stack, either. We got a million little piggies in the blankets that are going to need tucked in every night for the next four years. And I want you to be the guy, Joe. The silver fox at the helm. Hell yes, that sounds great. We've got this donkey in the bag, B.O. We certainly do. The Born to Be Mild Podcast. Hey, hello, and welcome back to Born to Be Mild for the week of April 19th, 2020. Here, as always, with Ronald Cabuno. I'm Peter Crawford. Ron, I just want to wish you a happy Greek Easter. Or should I say, Christos Anesti. Wow, that is phenomenal pronunciation, Pete, and Alithos Anesti to you, which is uh, truly he is risen for those that believe that the stone was rolled away. I believe that uh, I got half off candy growing up because our Easter was usually after regular Easter. Right. So that was great. Yeah, um, they, they never put the peanut butter eggs on a uh, half off. They realize that nobody cares that it's after Easter. They're like, yo, these are still just as valuable as they were two weeks ago. Oh, absolutely, and they're just basically getting rid of the right, Christmas exactly. trees. I'm so pretty sure that Reese's <laughs> people were still buying they those have a until bunch of last week. Filing off the ends of the Christmas trees to turn them into eggs, but I bet nobody was expecting a, a little uh, Greek lesson when they came in today. But really, the Greek Easter was the biggest holiday of the year growing up. It's one of the biggest in our calendar. And I am missing the family so much this week. I just wanted to give a shout out to any of them that are listening. Hey, hello, and love you all. Um, I did get to talk to a lot of them this week because we had Vivian's birthday party via Zoom. I that was pretty freaking cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we had a lot of viewers, and we had a lot of comments, and everyone was enjoying themselves. I was like, this is so wonderful. This is technology working really well, even though I was having a frantic time figuring out whether I needed to use FaceTime or Zoom <laughs> Or oh, these Facebook first world Live, dilemmas. You know, depend, <laughs> depending what which platform was going to reach the largest audience. And I don't mean that in a pompous way. I just mean I don't want to hear from Aunt So-and-So that she got left out. So, you know, if not everyone has an iPhone, you know, FaceTime is out. Uh, so we chose the Facebook Live, and it ended up being a really cool thing. And, and she smashed the cake all over herself uh, quite delicately at first, but then Dad was able to show her how to get it done. There you go. 
Um, I thought it was cute. I joined in with the uh, birthday singing. You didn't hear me, of course. But uh, I sounded like a maniac <laughs> singing at my phone. But you know what? It's just nice every once in a while to put one of those check marks beside a good thing that social media did for me today. <laughs> yeah, they are far and few between. Um, I started seeing myself get into completely unnecessary altercations on the Facebook this week. And seeing I was still seeing them out to their completion because I felt really good just boom roasting these folks who were like bringing up QAnon stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm friends with you, but I'm totally going to take you behind the woodshed because I have oh, 10 yeah. extra minutes. You've here. got way more than that probably. <laughs> but I was... <laughs> Right, but that's just it. It's just like, I do not need to be doing this, and I slap myself on the back of the hand, and I've, I've gone a couple days without yeah, it. Yeah, it's tough. I try to walk away from it usually, but uh, with all the extra time and all the, the controversy that we have in the world, um, you know, I'm <laughs> exactly. like, oh, what the hell? <laughs> I might as well argue with this guy about nothing important. So, um, All right, so, I mean, we can get into that, but I do want to say that my kid just flipped a switch when she turned one years old. She is an absolute monster all of a sudden for no apparent reason. She is climbing on things. She is climbing on things and then up the onto ones. other things. She thinks she she is the she's the oldest one year old I've ever seen. It's amazing. She's a beast. She's so smart. She went for her, you know, one year checkup and she has flying colors. Everything is good to go. She is 99th percentile in height, so she is an absolute nice. beast. A future linebacker. No doubt. Well, no. I mean, in height, you don't want to be a tall linebacker. No, you'd probably be a defensive end um, or a wing player in the WNBA. So we had a really great family week in general. Um, I also wanted to mention and a shout out to my mom and my stepdad and my Aunt Faith because they were on the local news down in Fort Myers, Florida this week for making group meals for their condo development and all the elderly people that are shut in and live there and delivering them by golf cart once a week. And they had a special news segment on them down there, and it was freaking awesome. I was so proud of them. Yeah, I was like, you guys just cannot stop doing good things. Like, they're so... Uh, they are so altruistic and helpful and just just loving people, and they can't stop being that way no matter where they're at or no matter what condition. So I appreciate it, and hopefully just a little bit of it rubs off on me because I think it has, but we oh, can all course. do more. So shout-outs to them. Shout-outs yeah. to all the Greek people today celebrating For Easter. Sure. Shout-outs to people who have one-year-olds. Shout-outs to people who argue on social media. I think we're covering our bases here. Shout-outs to all the Eskimos, <laughs> as old right. Dirty Bastard Shout-outs to any say. linebackers who happen to also be very tall. <laughs> they are the rare breed. Now, if we can get back to the fact that we are finding ways to politicize, demonize, and ostracize for the virus and for the reopening of this country in ways not even fathomed to you and I That's what we just do. a week ago. I mean, this, was been, this is politicized like everything else from the very beginning. But the the ways that we keep reinventing, but they're new, finding new avenues, new ideas weekly to politicize it in a brand brand spanking new way that we hadn't even discussed yet. It's unbelievable our ability to keep reinventing the wheel when it comes to arguing online. Well, and in person, can I just say that? Shout out to all the Michigan militia members for showing all these Ohio protesters how crazy is actually done. <laughs> yeah. And then you see the president backing that up with his own tweets and words. It's mind-boggling. It's it's so irresponsible, and it could very well lead to violence. Well, it's divisiveness based on party lines. And so Trump is going to buy into one side. And yeah, these people are, for the most part, conservatives, Republicans, are upset. We've got 22 million Americans filing for unemployment. I mean, they really want to get things moving. I understand that. But the way that they're doing it, and, I, you know, Whitmer's going through a lot up there in Michigan. Uh, she's a Democratic governor, so she's really getting a lot of pushback from the right. But, you know, I don't think Ohio's being outdone. Our capital has been swamped as well. And we've got a Republican governor who's done a great job up to this point with making sure that we've responsibly handled the public health care crisis that we're, we're dealing with. But lately, last week in particular, he's had windows pressed up against his glass just of angry, angry Americans, people, mothers with their children. Yeah. There are viral images everywhere. And it blows my mind. They want to reopen the country, but about half these people are wearing masks. So are you scared or are you not? Those images look like a zombie apocalypse, don't they? It's like really scary. It does. Stuff. I think that joke is 
probably been made ad nauseum. That does. It looks like a zombie apocalypse, like they're trying to get into the Capitol building, clawing like something right out of Walking Dead. For the literally hundreds and almost thousands of you listening out there, I want to thank you very much. We hate the fact that the coronavirus and the political fallout from it has dominated our show for so long, but it's like, what else are we going to talk about in extreme earnest? I can tell you about how I have been wearing some blue uh, boxer briefs lately, and the fact that I have had <laughs> frequent laundry because I'm shut in and slightly decreased my shower frequency. It seems like I'm wearing these every day. We can talk about oh, yeah. things like that, you know? But I really yeah. have. No, it's a story when I do <laughs> take a, a shower. It's a story, but it's not <laughs> the story, right? So, like. I, I want to get back to really cool, easy breezy stuff, but I do want to get this really important stuff out of our system. So we do have to talk about this. And um, like, yeah, we have to because it's it's dominating every aspect of society. And it is creeping into everybody's lives one way or another. Do you think that DeWine has been spared the rod a little bit simply because he's a Republican governor? Like he would have gotten more pushback by now if he yeah, was a Yeah, I don't have dem? any doubt of that. Yeah. I, that stands I think he to was reason. able to kind of get uh, a, a like kind of a statewide consensus uh, approval going on. Yeah, because you've got Dems saying, "Hey, you're doing this the right way," and you've got Republicans saying, "Oh, you're Republican, so whatever." <laughs> yeah, that's all <laughs> so, that matters to them. Oh, hey, you got the red tie on, one of us. All right, I, I like that us. lapel. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, you have a flag pin on your lapel. Damn it, no tan suit. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, so, um, we do have declining cases, um, of COVID in, what was it, with the state? Uh, no, no, actually nationwide at the beginning of the week, uh, they were starting to see a couple days where there was a decline in how many cases were reported, you know, versus the day before. However, yeah. uh, they've kind of changed the way about halfway through the week, might've been Thursday. They changed the way in New York first, I believe, but don't quote me on that. But it did. They were one of the first ones to adopt this new way that they actually measure who qualifies as the a presumptive cases. Yeah. So there was a huge spike on that day everywhere that people started changing their uh, the way that they were defining uh, these deaths and uh, their reporting. It doesn't mean that suddenly everything got worse. It just means that we're counting things differently and we need to keep doing what we're doing now. I was watching uh, Wine with DeWine and Dr. Amy was trying to explain it to us and they were trying to make sure they were as transparent as possible by saying, here, we're going to have the running tally, but we're also going to have it broken down that it is old metrics plus new metrics equals total number. So if you still want to look at it and go by that trajectory of the old metrics and not you know, feel jostled or jolted by the number change, mm-hmm. by all means, it's all there for you to understand. But then you have controversy over the numbers and how you get to them, like in terms of whether or not a doctor gets to categorize somebody as being a COVID patient or a COVID fatality. You know, I don't really believe that they're in staff meetings before every day when they're up to their ears in really traumatic cases saying to themselves and to others in their staffs, we need to bump up this reporting so we get more funding. I don't think that it's conspiracy ridden to that degree. So I would like to trust that when somebody categorizes a case or a death that hasn't had the chance to have a positive test administered, that they are doing so to the best of their professional judgment. Yeah, um, the increase in testing, uh, like I said, the way that we're constantly reevaluating, redefining how we want to categorize uh, who's died from this disease specifically, these numbers have fluctuated. But in general, and Trump has said uh, overtly that he thinks we're over the peak. Now, you can take that with however many grains of salt you want to. But the bottom line is that uh, the measures we've been taking have been working. The the massive uh, spike that we had, like an 80 degree curve going on when this started getting bad here, has started to move to a more flattened area. And that's good news. No matter how you want to report or change your reporting, Don't panic on that. Just keep listening to your governors. On that note, uh, we're having a lot of, we've got the governors who have the pressure from their people, but you've got kind of a governors versus Trump thing going on right now about when they should reopen. 
Well, it's going to be a phased-in reopening because it's not going to be this grand reopening thing that he might have some people reimagining. Now, they came out with their three-phase plan at the federal level, and we saw a three-phase plan at the Ohio State level this week. And they're both really broad and common sense type things. But what you're seeing is that a lot of the social distancing and protective measures and preventative measures are going to have to stay in place for some time. So when we want to talk about how we have seen the peak and we have flattened the curve and we want to use all these terms, what we're saying is that these measures have been effective and that we have to say that hand in hand with that is that taking them back will then reverse the trend as long as the virus is still present in any way, shape, or form for one and for another if we don't have proper measures for contact tracing and the the amount of testing that is necessary. Yeah, and that's the big fear uh, from health experts across the board. Uh, Opening too quickly is just going to mean another resurgence and perhaps a worse one in this case. Um, Did you see that it was... um it was like uh, Philadelphia that, that obviously they were the notorious city that had one of the worst cases um, of the 1918 flu. But it was really spurred because when they thought they had it licked, they had this giant parade in the city and everybody uh, contracted it from that. So, so like it's essentially like celebrating too early literally bit them in the ass. So that's the kind of thing you don't want to see. You don't want to see the bravado. And the bravado plus the antsiness starts to mean you throw your mask aside or you're not washing your hands or you're not careful. because right. it's human it, nature. And it does get grueling, but we need to make it the new normal. It has to yeah, be like, and- like we have to have giant signs in public. Like it needs to be on every street corner like so that people are almost shamed into not doing it kind of for at least a little bit. Well, that's not going to happen. If <laughs> but you it, want it, to it release them should. back into the wild, you have to put guidelines out them for them to look at on a regular basis, I guess. Well, people need to understand that just because we're going into a slow reopen, that doesn't mean that social distancing efforts should be paused. It doesn't mean that um, most of the, the actions we're taking right now to be safe should be thrown away. It means that they've been working. We should still abide by those things, but maybe now it's okay for you to go to Target when you need to buy something without going crazy about it. Um, it's it's it's, it's got to be a gradual reopening because we we don't know how quickly or how we're just looking at numbers that we have. We don't know how quickly anything could flip if we start doing everything too quick, and that's what everyone is so eager to do because they've been cooped up. They want it to be an off to on switch. And then all of a sudden they're riding roller coasters at Cedar Point. <laughs> exactly. And you have people talking in the press conferences with DeWine about when we're going to have and if we're going to have sporting events. And come on, guys. First of all, if you have sporting events, it's going to be no fans. So be prepared to watch on TV only. Second of all, if you do have the sports, is it going to be college when these people aren't even being asked to come back to school, but you're going to ask them to come back and entertain you? That's <laughs> right. not going to fucking happen. No. So it's obviously just going to be the NFL or whatever, and that's probably not going to happen because they're not going to have the testing in place by then. I don't just or I don't see it happening, and I think people are really hanging their hats on it. Yeah, well, there's going to be a lot of people who aren't even going to be comfortable sitting at a stadium with between fifty and a hundred thousand people all next to each other. That that's not going to not happening until we have a vaccine. We're not going to snap not back to that. Yeah, people. There's going to be too large a group out there who are still going to be paranoid because when this ends, people are still going to be wary. They're still going to be scared as much as they want to do things. I I wouldn't be comfortable going to a giant concert hall and being crammed in there with a bunch of mouth breathers. So no way. And in terms of reopening, um, I got my call back to work that I am going back to work next week. Um, and it is bef- yeah, it's before the May 1st start date. But it's because, you know, I work at an establishment that will be having their grand reopening on that date. And I am the your other work besides this. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'll be going back to work, but it'll be in a limited and off and, and a no touch capacity. So that's good. I feel protected yeah. in doing so. And 
Um, besides the fact that we don't have childcare for the kid, and we'll have to work that out between the moms and I schedule, I'm, I'm ready to go back. Yeah, a lot of people are. And a lot of people were worried that um, their place of employment isn't going to survive long enough with no people. So getting, getting them open quickly, I know uh, our mutual friend Mark, uh, who is an industrial engineer, was extremely concerned that his company wasn't even going to survive for six weeks with their doors closed. Luckily, sure. I think they're going back to work. Uh, coming uh, May 1st. So that'll be really good for him. So you have some places that are going to reopen that shouldn't be reopening. I saw a local story this week about a racetrack owner who was dead set on reopening ASAP, as in within the next week or so, to have racing, sporting events, thumbing his nose at the authorities because he has made too many capital investments in the last few years and can't afford to sit it out on the sidelines any longer. And so he's basically sitting there saying, yes, I'm a Trump supporter and basically a libertarian, but I need handouts right now. And if I'm not going to get them, then I'm not listening to anybody. Yeah, a lot of this push uh, is financially based. It is economically driven. We know this and we know that 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 is a concern, obviously, but we've got to look at health first. And I think more than ever, we've made a lot of jokes over the past month or so. And I mean, we as a country about what is essential and what is not. We're going to have a lot more of those conversations as things start to open, because really the only essentials are going to be the ones that start on May 1st. Everything like race car tracks, that's not essential. Although, if you live in Florida right now, you'll be glad to know that Governor Ron DeSantis has declared that the WWE is essential. And that's not a joke. Oh, brother. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Wow. Someone has been eating their vitamins and saying their prayers. It's Florida. I don't know what's essential down there. Wrestling and bath salts, alligators. Well, we know that... uh, McMahon has the president's ear, so he probably was able to get that in there just as a well, personal Trump was favor. A former WWE competitor at one time, so and McMahon's wife is a political figure down there in Florida. Is that right? I didn't know that. I think she's like a senator or something now. That makes sense. <laughs> I, I swear <laughs> to God, yeah, like she's she's big time. You know what? And even if she's not, she is because we said so. But speaking of essential businesses. How about the fact that Youngstown, Ohio might once again be the bootleg capital of the United States because we now have a total blockade on anyone from Pennsylvania coming over trying to buy alcohol in any of the border counties uh, in Ohio. It's pretty Uh, funny. Those poor Pennsylvanians, like almost immediately their liquor uh, stores were struck down as not essentials. And uh, apparently we are appreciated. (laughs) <laughs> right. And so that we've been hearing reports out of West Virginia, out of New Jersey, and obviously out of Ohio, but all these bordering states about the influx of Pennsylvanians <laughs> just looking for hooch. You're damn right. <laughs> it's not fair. That's not right, man. That's not cool. No, it's not. I'd be making a trip to Ohio every day. Like, hey, I got I to gotta get to St. Clairsville before the liquor stairs close. Mahoning County, uh, Ashtabula, all of them. I think they've made medicinal marijuana stores, you know, a necessity or an essential business because it's you know it says it's medicinal medical. right yeah. yeah so if somebody is using that for quote unquote anxiety um you, you mean to tell me that dad's not using that bourbon at the end of the day for his I anxiety know, right? i can't get a glass of single malt scotch to uh, work on my nerves i'm bored at the end of his life my grandfather was prescribed one bud light per day by his doctor really did he have to give that prescription to uh the people at giant eagle or whatever no, it was um, something that we brought in and we brought down to the commissary and it had a prescription put on it when it was brought up in his tray and it was the coolest fucking thing ever. That's awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, but spe- <laughs> speaking, <bug> of, <laughs> speaking of medical marijuana, we got four, uh, the 420 coming up tomorrow in case any of the stoners out there yeah, forgot. The most redundant <laughs> 420 of all time. Absolutely. Yeah, right. You were saying, so what? If you've been, uh, if you're a big fan of chilling and doing nothing, <laughs> you've really been getting it in lately, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all you, all you, uh, smoker tokers out there, in case you didn't know, you can smoke all day on 420. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really let yourself go yeah. and, uh, pretend there's nothing that needs to be done because it's true. <laughs> Just sit at home all day. Don't even worry about work. 
Matter of fact, I would shut yourself in the house on purpose. Quarantine, oh if you will. <laughs> no, but it's a it's a it's a nice holiday. I can remember when um, obviously it wasn't as popular, as prevalent, or as practiced. So it's nice to see year by year its acceptance into the broader culture happen. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. cheers and and everybody do it safely and responsibly. Yeah. So did you get your uh did you get a stimulus check? <laughs> oh, we go right from weed to hey, you got that money? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we we got to find something to spend it on, right? So I do. It's a segue. Um so I did get it and it was a really nice surprise. I wasn't like waiting for it, you know, with bated breath because I didn't anticipate the government getting it done quickly in any regard. When it got there, it got there. Next thing you know, it shows up in the account, and the wife says we both got ours. And I was like, all yeah. right. Very I think it's cool. Been, uh, it's been hit and miss. I've got a few friends that say they still haven't gotten anything. Others that say they did. Um, I know that the uh, fiance here got hers this last week. Well, it's probably because they... um. They didn't get theirs because they were waiting to have Trump's name printed on it. Oh, yes, because the physical checks. <laughs> there is a delay on those physical checks because we need to make sure one of us in particular needs to make sure that his name is printed on these checks. Yeah. Scrooge McDuck wants to make sure that you know he pinched the penny from his pocket. How in the hell <laughs> is there any justifiable reason I could say this for a lot of Trump things, but this is so absurd. Like, this is such egoism that it's it's on a cartoonish level. Now, like, I think that the Secretary of Treasury assured us, obviously because it's a stooge and an appointee of the Donald himself, that there was right. no delay whatsoever in the rollout of the checks because he wanted this last-minute implementation of a completely superfluous addition. Yeah, you know what? I don't give a fuck. Even if it, but yeah, I don't, is I don't buy it. At all. I don't That's buy not it. even the and, point. And even if it was <laughs> right, it should just say "small dick ego" in cursive. <laughs> it's just, it's <laughs> unbelievable. I don't know how you, how you justify. I can't imagine anyone else in that office ever demanding something so petty and ridiculous. We find new lows, and sooner or later, we're gonna reach China, folks. <laughs> yeah, we keep so, you digging. Know what? That is unfortunate that uh, people. Uh, who got direct deposit, they're not going to get that signature from Donald Trump. So much apologies to you and the wife. Maybe we can, uh, what can you apply for a Freedom of Information Act and a digital copy? Get the digital signature just to make sure you knew. You know, So I can makes, print it out and put it on the wall. Are you kidding me? Get out Hell of yeah. here. Did you see that uh, the guy in Indiana who uh, went to the ATM? Uh, he was checking to see if he got his deposit. He looked in his account and he had $8.2 million in there. Are you serious? Is this yeah. real? Yes, this is for real. So <laughs> oh, wow. He's uh, the guy's, you know, he's not exceptionally well off. He, he refers to himself as being poor. Uh, it's rural Indiana, so possible. But uh, he was actually good enough to go, you know, he was expecting, I guess, 1700 Apparently he has a kid. And he went to the bank and he told him. <laughs> he was like, yo, is this right? You know, because uh, if it is, <laughs> I'll take it. But uh, and they're like, well, all we see is that you got your stimulus check. And then so the next day, apparently the error was corrected. And he said he was just happy that he got the 1700 he was owed. And he wanted to make sure that everybody, he said all the right things, basically. He sounds like he was a good guy. But man, I got to tell you, if I just check my account and suddenly I've got 8.2 mil, I'm not sure what's stopping me from closing that account and finding a house in Mexico. Oh, it's so tough. Uh, just to like role play it in my head right there. It feels nice. You know, the feeling when you open up the account and you see all the zeros and you're, it's just, whoo, yeah, I feel warm just yeah. thinking about it. No, I, I got warm just uh, looking at his receipt. It was in, in the photo with the story. I was like, God, I can't even imagine. My goodness. That is nice, isn't it? Yeah. So Trump, if you want to send us a check, go ahead and sign your name on it. That's fine. 8.2 million. I will take all of the Trump family signatures. Give them all to me. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll come in person for a personal signing. Um, six feet, of course. But, um, yeah, so I saw that there's, like, a real disparity in the unemployment numbers between states. And you got to wonder, 
there should be some kind of nationalization in terms of like a, a ceiling and a basement for this kind of payout because you can understand why people are getting real anxious to go back. Um, I think mm-hmm. I saw Arizona's maximum unemployment is like $240, but the average in Massachusetts is over 500 I mean, that is a disparity. Dude, that's that we'll a big-time discrepancy, some... yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's huge. You can, I, I'd imagine some people are very, very pissed because they're having extended layoffs that are of no fault of their own, and they just happen to have a very bad system in place in their state. I saw that we ran out of our small business loans this week. Is that correct? We did. Uh, $350 billion out the door. And, you know, it was, a, it was an altruistic... Uh, thing to be included. Um, some wanted more. They're still pushing for a, a second uh, right stimulus bill right now. That the Dems are actually uh, looking for a two thousand dollars a month or something instead of a one time payment, which is uh, not dissimilar to what they've done in places like uh, the UK or Canada, uh, kind of giving people a percentage of their salary rather than you know one check for twelve hundred dollars. Like that's going to be a, a fix. It's the double yang, as they call it. What this really amounts to, with that money being gone, this stimulus, did it do anything? Was it really effective? What was the efficacy of this bill on the economy? Great question. Because I mean, I don't know. I, I don't see how there could possibly be. We're not even back up and running yet. I don't see how this is going to stimulate the economy, which is going to absolutely be in the shitter for quite a while now. This $1,200 check and those small business loans, people are still fucked. What you're seeing are people's fears play out where you had a one-time doling out of a couple of scraps to the people and quite a bit of money to industries. So even though these industries are still hit, they got rewarded exponentially more than individuals for essentially being just as reckless with their savings and their planning. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you do, you have to get it going and you have to get that stimulus to people more often. Um, the $2,000 a month was actually a Tim Ryan, my local uh, representative here in Ohio. That Ohio was his idea. Representative. And so I was trying to get him for a little conversation, but he's a little tougher to get than the mayor Struthers. He is. I've gotten Tim Ryan before, but that was when I was working with uh, EIC back in the day. So I've met yeah, with him. Yeah, bigger in institution age, than the uh, Ron slightly and bigger Pete than the Born to Be Mild Bedroom podcast. Foundation or whatever the hell we're called. <laughs> What's our LLC? Oh hey, wait, we don't even have that. We don't have one yet. Uh, don't yeah. tell anybody. Uh, um, yeah. So <laughs> hey, someday but, yeah. we're gonna have that hotline. We're gonna have a red phone. If we need to talk to somebody, we can call them. And someday you're going to get that chicken. <laughs> <laughs> so Now um, help me throw this giant ball of oil out the window. Yeah, people, I, I think the, at least, you know, this is me, just uh, my conjecture, but the, the stimulus was more of a, a, a gesture in its own to say that we give a shit because people, people feel, people are scared right now. It wasn't just that. It wasn't just a gesture. It was like, here is some shit for the basic necessities that hopefully will get you bread, food, water, and band-aids for I, your injuries. No, I don't until agree with you that. I don't think that's it. what was said behind closed doors. I bet that that's not at all what they what they cared about. This was a hollow gesture to make people feel like, oh, our government cares. Because $1,200 is spit in a pan. Oh, it was, absolutely. Um, and you're seeing like... States come up with really big solutions to people's woes right now, like Ohio trying to put an extra $600 per week into people's unemployment checks. But that is, you know, completely besides the point as far as a national stimulus goes. As far as the national stimulus goes, I agree that they were sitting there and essentially placating while also keeping the larger industries afloat. But placating actually does mean keep keeping people alive and fed in many, many instances. Yeah, I agree with that. But I, I don't know that I think it's keeping people alive and sound of mind because you don't want people. You look at the way that the groups in Michigan and Ohio that we talked about earlier, they, they, these people are losing their minds at home. And they, by keeping a, a regular contact point with them, sending them a check, it shows that there's still a connection here. They don't want us devolving into anarchy because the paranoia level across the board right now. I mean, Christ, like two weeks ago some dude in like suburban Chicago literally 
killed his wife or his fiance, excuse me, maybe it was his girlfriend, whatever, and then killed himself because he was so scared that they had a, the coronavirus. And of course, upon autopsy, neither of them did. Oh, that's the worst part. That Terrible. is the saddest, saddest irony. But that's people losing their minds, you know? And it doesn't help that you have people from the top down, once again, kind of promoting that kind of stuff. But we can talk about the virus possibly leaking from a lab in Wuhan if you want to get to the biggest conspiracy of them all right now. We have to talk about that for sure. We don't okay. know a lot yet, but this is really interesting. Yeah. I mean, so what we do know or that we do know that we've heard is that one idea is that this thing was leaked from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And I think we talked about it on last week's show, maybe about how they were talked about as having some breaches in the past in terms of their um, standards. And they were bumped up to this one special level of research, I think, after SARS because it was a great place for them to do their research. So they got some real high um, permissions and they were fooling around with all kind of bird flus. And some people say that maybe... One of their research workers, one of their lab assistants, uh, screwed around in the lab and contracted this thing, passed it on to her fiancé, and then they went to the wet labs, or, or they went to the wet markets of Wuhan and then infected some kind of animals, and that's how the virus began. And that her record has been or that her information has been stricken from the record from that lab, and that is where conspiracy theories begin. Yeah, and I guess this is kind of a story in progress. Um, the one thing that it, it needs to be noted, because this is definitely going to be a conspiracy bomb uh, across the nation for people who already had their tinfoil hats on, now they're going to be positive that this was uh, intentional, malicious. Um, the the As of now, the reports are still that it was not man-made. No, it's absolutely not man-made, okay? Yeah. So but then you can't... The, the fact that it could have been leaked out of the lab, a lot of people are saying is like a 1 in 1,000 case. A lot of people are saying that it was probably just a zoological mutation or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah, no, from one species to another. Yeah. That's what they're saying is most likely, and if you want to have this conspiracy theory where it was China's lax standard that caused this whole thing to go down, then you can go down that road if you want to, but reason stands that that's not how it went same goes for like i was listening to the new york times podcast this week and there was this dude who's been there for 15 years and he had to leave the country because they kicked out all the reporters recently and that is real news you know what i mean like not having absolutely any media presence from the post or the times or anywhere else in china right now because of how they had been reporting on china's practices thus far is not good at all and so this guy was going around and he was getting like almost in fights with Chinese nationals who were like, go home, foreigner. And he feels that it's because China is is spreading these kind of rumors where all the infections and the original infections are coming from foreigners. Like they're like, oh, they're saying that one of the top conspiracies over there is that during the war games that went on, I think, in Korea last fall. Mm hmm someone from the U.S. military came and planted this virus over there. So it's on both sides. Yeah, no, it really is. And it, it's not even just about uh, the disinformation that we know that China's putting out there. They've been opaque uh, to no small degree about exactly what's going on. There's been almost zero transparency. And people knew that. We thought they were underreporting their deaths. Uh, but now one of the big things because of what's It was happened, a pretty good presumption. Yeah, I mean, we kind of knew, but the more and more that we're hearing now, it's like, well, what else don't we know? And was the WHO enabling some of this? So now Trump has halted aid to the WHO, which has garnered some large, uh, from other nations around the world and from liberals here, some large right. controversy. And uh, people are wondering, you know, why? Why now? And is the WHO really, WHO really an organization to not be trusted suddenly? I think it's ridiculous, and one of my conspiracy theory nut job friends on Facebook was like, sh like sharing this globalist quote from the 
founder of the WHO, and it was completely taken out of context, and it was basically the guy came back from World War I as a sniper and a scout and decided to go back for his PhD and understand child psychology and study this, and he was a totally good dude, and all he was saying was, listen, I think that in times of like global pandemic, you have to put aside family traditions, you have to put aside national identity, and you have to work as one unit. And so, like, he was able to find this one clip where it was like, no, man, the WHO's been founded on a globalist conspiracy. You know, it's like, no, I think that they were actually a benevolent um, environment or they were a benevolent organization from their outset and continue to be so. But sometimes you do have things that seem to be a cover up. And there are truths that can help Trump's narrative that actually are nothing more than business as usual. Yeah, they're. There are shades of gray to the entire when, story. When China came out this week and said, yeah, there was six days before we said that this thing was going to be a pandemic, the fact that you didn't think people were doing things behind the scenes, especially in that authoritarian regime, to like get all the barricades up and ready the troops for when this rolled out, like is beyond reproach. Oh, Obviously, sure. they were doing that. But Trump wants to say that it was just the same as him sitting on his ass for three weeks after he closed China travel and washed his hands of it and said, all right, that's it. We're good to go. Right. And Those are not the same. That's wherein we're seeing a lot of the, uh, as we started this out with, politicization of exactly where people stand here. And It's Trump the blame is, game. Trump is kind of saying, yeah, he's, he's saying, well, now you can't blame me for being slow to react here because I was being given false information from the WHO and from China who are in cahoots and they're all corrupt. And a lot of the Republicans are, are, are siding with Trump. They're saying, yeah, that's right. It was China who was wrong. However, only less than a day ago, it's now being uh, let out that we actually 100% had intel about how dangerous this virus was all the way back in November of last year because the U.S. was sending the, and sharing information with Israel about the coronavirus and the, the risk of what it could do to the world. Trump sure. knew, we knew, we discussed it with another country. None of these are debatable anymore. So I don't want well, to hear that he that didn't know. I'm glad that we can make know. that a moot point as soon as possible. Exactly. He, immediately, the WHO, China, none of that matters. That's just a distraction. You knew. You knew and you didn't do anything until February. Why? Well, maybe it's because we cut our boots on the ground in terms of the CDC in China from 14 to 3, like we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. It's all these factors that add up to absconding from responsibility. Um, so in, in one fail swoop in one week, he gets to say that he has absolute power as the president. And you have even Cuomo says we were able to give him the gracious ability to walk that back hor that horse back into the barn. Like, yeah, wow, how nice of him me. was that? The, the, like, the so lack within, of accountability. Within, within 48 hours, someone says now he's back to basically Trump before he was even president, lobbing bombs from Twitter. So all you're doing is calling people out for what they're not doing right and proposing no solutions of your own like you have been known to do for the past eight years. Yeah, it's been amusing to see the uh, people are really good at digging up old tweets. <laughs> Some of uh, Trump's Obama oh, administration God, they're tweets. The they're the worst. It's so the level of hypocrisy and duplicity. I, I mean, it's funny and it's also maddeningly frustrating, too. It is. And so when there were things going on like the uh, Russia with the Russia gate um, and the Mueller report, anytime he brought something up and wanted to shine the light on someone else for something, it was like, oh, OK, that's what he's doing right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was like literally just that easy. I, the, the, the mentality. Of, I saw a, <laughs> I saw a great meme uh, this last week uh, proposing what Donald Trump would do if he was the captain of the Titanic. Oh, so in a situation right. where Trump was uh, captaining the boat, here is the chronology of statements coming out by Trump, starting with there is no iceberg. We won't mm -hmm. hit an iceberg. I knew it was an iceberg before anyone else knew. No one knows <laughs> icebergs better than I do. The penguins brought the iceberg here. No one uh. could have predicted the iceberg. We cannot allow an iceberg to stop our ship. The crew is spreading <laughs> fake news about icebergs. Some of you have to drown. 
I am the best captain. Oh, no. Ask anyone. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That is horrifically prescient. It's so farcically real that, like, I... <laughs> at least we'll have something to laugh at. Yeah, it's That's like the right. Youngin stories where you're like, did he really do this or is it fake? Like, one can't see the difference anymore. There's no line. Oh, I need a nap. <laughs> so, yeah, before we move on, one more important thing I wanted to mention uh, regarding the coronavirus is uh, the way that uh, health cares have been simultaneously champion- championed in this country. And then you have that small sector who apparently they don't know a single nurse or doctor in their personal life saying, how come there's no no photos of uh, packed hospitals? How come there aren't lines coming out the door in my local rural tiny hospital of people dying of coronavirus. Yeah, it sucks. Like people's lack of imagination and empathy is is quite boggling at times. It is. And you've got reports coming out. I mean, we've been, like I said, championing these people because we know they're risking their lives. But uh, currently, and this was actually a number from the middle of this last week, more than 9,000 of them, and this is just the ones we know of, are infected with the coronavirus. So yeah. Oh, no doubt. I mean, like putting their lives at risk. I remember about a month and a half ago or something, it was that Italian hospital where they said they had 400 nurses homesick with coronavirus alone in one hospital. So, like, right now we're looking at a quarter of Ohio's infections being healthcare workers. Um, So they they are literally at the front lines. And luckily, this isn't like the 1918 flu where it affects people in their mid midlife disproportionately or we'd really really be having something oh god so don't even get me started yeah that's huge um yeah i mean so luckily they're able to weather this storm but it hits them really hard still and and it's not good to have that many people out of action when we need them i i I just think it's got to be it's got to be so tough for them on a on a, a psychological level going into work knowing that today could be the day they're watching others die and some of them really are heroes. I've got a couple friends who are actually traveling nurses going to New York right now, going right there to the epicenter. Yeah. And they're yeah, going to be I saw, I saw this week that um, 10 nurses or something was suspended in Santa Monica Hospital for not working with uh, no protective gear. Like, they didn't have the adequate gear at work, and so they were on a strike and refused oh, yeah. to work. That's, that's when you I get mean, frustrated that there's so many people out there uh, – hoarding and uh, price gouging those N95 masks. Like some of the yeah. people who have N95 masks, these things have to be like properly fitted to your face. Otherwise, you're completely wasting it for no reason. Well, N95 mask is not rocket science. I've been using them for a very long time and they work just fine for the general public because they were made for the general public. So Correct. you put them on and you fit it easily. And I know people talk about, they're like, oh, I, I had to get my fitting checked or whatever. It's like, yeah, because maybe you're a moron. But like, it's not difficult to find out whether or not the air is seeping in when you're breathing in real hard. You can do it. I promise. I've done it a million times. Well, but I, I don't have of, the kind of faith and other Americans that I might have in you. I don't either, <laughs> but I'm saying they're made as foolproof from the manufacturer as possible. Sure. But even then still, I saw a photograph of a Republican lawmaker who I will not name at the second, but he was <laughs> okay. wearing the mask upside down. On his head. It was, <laughs> it was like a yarmulke. Unbelievable. Yeah, I believe you. Um, and yeah, you do see the price gouging. There was a dude in Chagrin Falls that got uh, arrested for price gouging um, N95 masks on the Ebays. Oh, just this man. week. I mean, if you're one of these people, if you're one of these fucking scumbags, like, just do us a favor and, like, I really shouldn't say anything too horrible right here, but God, like, I literally hate you. <laughs> I just Homeboy can't. was selling 10 packs for $350. I mean, what and a he got 15 people to buy them before he got stopped. Yeah, this isn't you, like, scalping tickets to a Pearl Jam concert, you know? <laughs> no, This is people's not. lives. This so, is, yeah, exactly. You dangling the antidote right over a sick person's face until they empty their pockets. Right, yeah. If you want to go out and, you know, hoard and price gouge on a new Nintendo Switch controller collector's edition, whatever, you know, do that. Fine. But not yeah. masks. Not now. No. Exactly. This is not a Tickle Me Elmo situation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if anyone is old enough to get that reference... <laughs> what year was Tickle Fuck, Me Elmo? How old is that? I guess it's, it's probably like, year it's 2000. It's like 90s. I don't know. It was in the 90s. 
Yeah. We'll <laughs> I, have to Google that. I get uh, Tickle Me Elmo and Furby mixed up because they both had like uh, a, a couple years there. I do not get them mixed up at all. Sometimes you might be able to say uh, Furby and a Tamagotchi. But okay, not- <laughs> maybe. I was too old for all that stuff at the time. So <laughs> I was right in the wheelhouse, that's for sure. 1996, oh. the Tickle Me Elmo. Tickle me, yeah, see, that's old, man. Freshman year for me. That was a sophomore year for me, so quite Bravo. a while ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can say that again. But yeah, we pretty much... Uh, one other thing I did want to mention... Um, uh, George Stephanopoulos has uh, come under fire uh, because uh, he's apparently he tested positive for uh, for COVID-19, but uh-huh. he's completely 100 percent asymptomatic. And so okay. everyone is screaming, like, why did they waste the test on him? Why did they? Do-? Well, the reason is, is because his wife had already tested positive for it. So people who were at risk, especially high, you know, high ranking, high profile people, uh, people the, sure. The media, yeah, so he yeah, gets, Nana Boo Boo to all those people. His wife already had it. Shut the hell up. Right. So you, you get tested. Get out of here. And the thing is, it's it's so crazy that he is 100% asymptomatic because according to what she's saying, she is absolutely sicker than she's ever been in her entire life. Exactly. And that's how that thing works. That's how the flu works. It is all about personal susceptibility and it's wild. It, it's scary because and the, the report coming out of Iceland, they did a test on about 5% of their population where apparently it's roughly 50% of people are completely asymptomatic and the other 50% get hit by a semi truck. So Right. And then that's where you have that cascading uh severity of symptoms. Exactly. Where it's everything from flu to mild pneumonia being the quote unquote mild side of things mm-hmm. and then everything thereafter the ICUs and the yada yadas is the worst. It's it's really scary, and it's something we're going to have to continue to worry about for some time now. So everybody stay safe. That's all I can say. Absolutely. What else do we have going on? We can talk about politics. There's a little bit going on with Biden adopting some of Bernie's ideological policies. Yeah, he's looking for uh, one of the policies last week that both of us were only partially on board with, maybe not so much, which is student loan forgiveness. You know, I, I would like to see him focus a lot more on the healthcare side of things, but... It's interesting that I feel like he's being pressured in a way to start to adopt some of these more progressive policies to try to win back that vote that uh, right now he is in danger of not getting. I would like his new nickname to be Empty Vessel Joe. Empty Vessel Joe. <laughs> because, yeah, because he is essentially there for your filling up. Yeah. Like whatever right, you Right Write in your because... own policies. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, so whether it's Obama bending his, his ears on the sideline or someone a little more progressive like AOC saying, listen, if you want the entire progressive caucus and all us ladies to be on board, you're going to have to give us this, that, and the other. Um, you're going to see a coalition president, I think, if he does indeed win. Right, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, he's gone out and said, not only has he already told us uh, about the uh, having a woman for his vice president thing, but also he's only going to be a one-term president, apparently. Not wow, something I didn't hear that. You didn't hear that, yeah. He's actually stated that he's only going to be a one-term president. He only plans on being a one-term president. Talk about knowing your limits. Well, I mean, considering he's being kind of knocked around a bit for being senile already, and as That's we did I mean. a little bit in the intro today, so not a bad idea to throw that out there. <laughs> but exactly, but like that could be used as fodder. But it can also be a redeeming quality. You could you could see that either way. So I don't know if it's good to put that out there to begin with. So, yeah, um, I wanted to add a little bit of levity for a change because we, we sit around and talk about people dying due to a virus for a whole show. And every once in a while, it's good to good to get into something else. So we're uh, we're we're home a lot right now. That's no secret. Watching a lot of TV, a lot of movies. I've watched pretty much everything on Netflix at this point. Like all of the movies, but I was sitting around um, wondering. I was starting to to think like, is there a certain genre that I can always watch? Because what's your favorite type of movie or whatever? And I get really into scary movies, and I started categorizing movies into different groups, and I put together a little head-to-head quiz for movies that are alike for whatever reason, whether it's a you shared put together actor. a quiz for us to do right now on the show. Yeah. Well, just for you, actually, I want to hear your opinion. Just for me. One man answer. Yeah. All right. And you guys could all answer out there, but, uh, 
uh, for one reason or another, I associate the two of these movies together. And maybe you okay. haven't seen all of them, but I'm venturing to guess that you've seen most of them. So, are you ready? You know, I am. And matter of fact, I just had a renewed interest in movies just this week. I had gotten really sick and tired of flipping through Netflix. Sure. So, I we think all on <laughs> Sunday night even, um, I downloaded the TCM app. And my God, it's everything I needed. Like, it's classic Hollywood goodness. It's not a frenetic pace. It's great acting. And it's a it's a time in history that you don't mind going back to and revisiting for large swaths of time. TCM is uh, Turner Classic Movies. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I watched the original A Star is Born Oh, with you, Judy Garland. Isn't there like four of them? The, yeah, I think there are three. So there was that one, like a 30. There might be four, but I know there's three for sure. But um, it was really, really good. I might like that, actually. I, I enjoyed the... Uh... Uh, Bradley Cooper uh, Gaga film from a year or two ago. I'm sure that was great. It was pretty um, good. If it was anything like the original or if it, you know, even maximized the talent of them two because they're both really, really talented. Give me your preference. And if you haven't seen one or the other, you can just say, I haven't seen such and such. But uh, This is going to be embarrassing because I probably haven't seen a lot of these. You're going to have seen most of them. Okay. All right. So, uh, and you'll probably get the link right away. But let's start off here with, uh, I've got Wayne's World versus Austin Powers. Right. So, just going uh, by age alone, I like to go with the grimy, gritty you're, you're, Wayne's World. You're an earlier 90s guy, the Wayne's World stuff. Yeah. Well, it just has a bigger sticking point for me in my life. It actually um, does for me, know. too. And I, I act, But I still lean Austin Powers a little bit. I like that first movie. I think it's very clever. I think Austin Powers, in terms of jokes per minute, is like through the roof. And in terms of personalities that they introduced into the culture, because it was so commercialized, it's, it had a lot more staying power. But uh, I still have to go with the um, the the organic the organic beginnings of Wayne's World through SNL. Yeah, that's more of an SNL statement. For me, the other thing um, I was going to say is if we're looking solely at the character that Mike Myers is playing. I think the Austin Powers character is more interesting than the Wayne Campbell character. But that said, when you throw Garth in and the other characters in Wayne's world, it becomes a, a, a real competition. So, well, I would say to that, that the character of Wayne might pale in comparison to Austin Powers, but I care more about the mission and about the environment that Wayne is in as compared to Austin Powers. So I cared more about the movie. I cared about like the relationships and about how real it was and about how he had a licorice rope dispenser in the roof of his car. Like this was all stuff that was so much more relatable than like the cartoonish aspect of Austin Powers, which was cool. And it coincided once again with the, uh, the rollout of the new mini Cooper. So another capitalist venture gone well. But um, I think it has staying power for a lot of the promotional reasons than other than um, the actual, like, I don't know, the actual artistic ones. Okay. I feel that. Yeah, I actually, I agree about the nostalgia factor of Wayne's World. I, I love that movie as well. Uh, I just give a slight edge to Austin Powers. So check for Wayne's World for you. Okay. How right about on. Pulp Fiction versus Django Unchained? Pulp Fiction for me, just because it started it all off, and I can see the seeds of well, Pulp Fiction in Django. Or Reservoir so Dogs many years later. actually started it off, but yeah, I know what you mean. Pulp Fiction was huge. Yeah, yeah, it kicked him off in a way that um, we were only able to appreciate Reservoir Dogs after the fact. Yeah, a lot like, of us, that's true for Pulp Fiction brought it to us. Uh, again, uh, we're disagreement here. Django is one of my favorite films ever, and it's my favorite Tarantino film. I really, really, really enjoy all the performances there. I would say that I think I enjoy Django more. I agree. I just think in terms of importance, Pulp Fiction is more important. Okay, so uh, this isn't a movie, actually. Uh, Two series versus, uh, versus one another. Breaking Bad or The Sopranos? Oh, very tough, very tough. I mean, one of them captured, or they both captured the imagination of the entire country, but one of them brought to light 
an entire community of people or a character thereof that was really celebrated. Like we didn't see a real celebration of meth uh, makers after Breaking Bad, like we did for just good old fat Italian people after The Sopranos. Okay. Um, so, having said that, I can go back and watch Breaking Bad, and it doesn't seem as stale. Maybe because it's that much newer, and it's it's but, uh, more con- uh, it's more concise. The show is shorter. So it is, and they fit a lot of things in. And The Sopranos was just worried too much about breaking ground because none of it had been done before. So they had nothing to work from, like Breaking Bad did. No legacies to build off of, and they can att- they can probably attribute a lot of their greatness to The Sopranos. Right. Okay. So you're going to go with Sopranos for the most part, but more watchability for Breaking Bad. Yeah. Yeah. If I had to pick one to watch forever. It- it might be Breaking Bad. I would agree with that sentiment almost perfectly, I would say. Uh, that's about right. Okay. That's how I think. Okay. We'll do about a... We'll make this an ongoing series. I'm going to do about uh, two or three more. I was going to say, but Wire over everything. Oh, yeah. The, the Wire is fantastic. If you haven't watched The Wire yet, get HBO for a month and watch it. Um, and just so everybody knows, Vivian has officially joined the podcast. She is sitting here so nicely on my lap right now and not saying a darn thing. It's so cute. Well, if she has an opinion on a movie, talk. let her chime in. Okay, well, unless it has something to do with Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, she's good. <laughs> she probably hasn't seen either of these next two. All right. And uh, you can look at them as the entire series of movies. But Friday the 13th versus A Nightmare on Elm Street. This is really about which, which uh, horror character you think is more interesting. I think it's more about which approach you think is interesting, the one with comedy or the one without. So, Freddy brings the comedy, you know, Freddy brings the funny, Jason doesn't slip on too many banana peels, he's not putting out any one-liners. Um, <laughs> the first Nightmare you know, on Elm Street is is a little more serious with, uh, with Freddy, but after that, yeah, it gets really goofy. <laughs> it's very comical thereafter, exactly. No, the first one is horrific, and... It's so great. Yeah, it's just um, outstanding. Introducing Johnny Depp too in that movie. Exactly. So if you want to talk about <clears throat> if you want to talk about stories, I would say Jason has a better backstory. If you want to talk about characters, Freddy is a better character. Freddy is a scarier character because he can actually go in into your dreams. dreams. Yeah, because that's terrifying. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's Freddy hands down because Jason's just an undead dude who's just mindlessly walking. And, and killing. Agreed. You know? 100% agreed. And the some yeah. of the, the later uh, Friday the 13th movies, they get really stupid, but the kills get really original. They're so over the top. But Freddy is just so goofy. Oh my goodness. Jason takes Manhattan when he puts the basketball dude's head into the dumpster. I It will it will stay in my mind forever. Uh, these are like a boat for that entire movie, I feel like. I love uh, the third uh, Freddy movie when... Uh, he comes out of the TV and slams the, the girl's head into the screen. Oh, my goodness. And he's goodness. like, welcome to primetime, bitch. <laughs> For sure. Or how about when uh, the all the wires of the motorcycle like go into that dude's veins? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, my I mean, God. That's so oh, disturbing. It's so bad. And I saw it at such a horrifically young age, inappropriately young age. Yeah, me too. My mom didn't even care. And there's like <laughs> boobs and all, whatever. And <laughs> yes, there's a lot. There's so much wrong with yeah, it. Yeah. That- my my godparents took me to see Terminator 2 at like 10 years old. I saw it when I was like so 11. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. So it's just like, yeah. I think, oh yeah, I do. I have that one uh, later on this list. You know what? Let's move right to that because we agree on Freddy. Terminator 2 okay. versus Predator. Um, well, I was always, uh, far more Terminator 2 than Predator because I wasn't old enough for Predator 1. I was more Predator 2 and I wasn't even on board for that. So I got to go Terminator 2. Terminator 2. Okay. I really like both of those movies, but I also say Terminator 2. And another thing is like Terminator 2 lived in my brain for about five to 10 years before I saw Terminator 1. So I didn't even know Terminator 1 existed. Oh, well, there you go. I mean, yeah, I, I saw Terminator 2 way before Terminator 1. But that's because yeah. of our age. I mean, right. When Terminator One came out of like '84, <laughs> it's like I'm not going to be. So they were. There was a big gap between those movies. Exactly. Yeah. All right. And the last one, and I'll give you Goodfellas versus The Godfather. Okay. Um, I would have done maybe Goodfellas versus Casino. Just I would have too, but I think everyone closer. is going to say Goodfellas there. So I'm just going with what I think are probably the two greatest. Uh, mob films of Gangster all time. Gangster mob films. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I didn't make it through The Irishman, so I'd probably still have to I, agree with that sentiment. Yeah, I didn't either, actually. It's really long. <laughs> so is The Godfather. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but something about The Godfather is nice, slow pace, uh, just like a lot of those TCM movies. It wraps you in in a different way. Yeah. Um, so if you're not ready for The Departed, you know, that type of shit then like you know you're gonna just be like all right i can't do this or even even goodfellas Um, it's paced so much quicker it's i mean everything is boom 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 it's just scorsese versus uh coppola you know just completely different filmmaking from different eras yeah so i uh i'm goodfellas all the way actually and i love the godfather but goodfellas is maybe a top two movie for me nice so i'll have to defer to you on that one because i don't even have a favorite well i'm i'm italian so i'm required by law (laughs) I'm from Mob City, USA here in Youngstown, and I am of Italian descent. Yeah, that's true. That yeah, Youngstown has to come down on one side of the fence or another. Yeah, we can continue yeah. this series as a little uh, escape at the end of each week, but um, I think that's good for now. That's fine. I think that's great. And uh, you can bring the questions because obviously I got the opinions. Perfect. And Viv, what's your opinion? You sound like a Godfather girl. She was actually just asking me what's up with these. Um, what did you say? Oh, yeah, she wanted to watch Dinosaur Train. Oh, Dinosaur Train. That's up there. <laughs> well, after that, yeah, it sounds like she's old enough now to watch uh, some Nightmare on Elm Street, right? I'd give it a couple more months. <laughs> we're still, we're, we're literally dealing with sleep training right now. So I think it's a bad time to introduce those Nightmare I, I swear films. to God, I was seven or eight years old when I started watching those movies. My mom did not give a shit. <laughs> well, good luck with all that. And good luck with, uh, I guess... Holding off for another, what do we got? About a week and a half before May 1st, so we start the slow rollout. Uh, Next time we talk, I will have already gone back to work, and so we'll get to talk about that. Um, I'm sure there will be some real fun stories for how I'm trying to avoid the virus while I'm going about my workaday habits. Right, and for anyone else who is uh, starting to go back to work, just keep in mind that we're not through this yet. So keep being safe, keep social distancing, keep yourself and your family and your friends and your loved ones as safe as possible. Yeah, I think that goes without saying that we need to keep this at the forefront of our of our focus until there's a vaccine. We, this is the time where we have to start finding out how responsible we can be going back to our daily routines. I agree. So until next time, everybody stay mild as the week goes on and we will see you next week. One more thing, I just ask that everybody stay understanding of one another and um, just take a deep breath before we respond. All right, everyone. Take care. See you guys. Again, thanks for having us. Thanks to Ryan Little for our theme music. Find us wherever you download podcasts. We'll see you next week.